Welcome to another episode of Campus Life. We're continuing our conference preview series here tonight. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We got some action coming to you here tonight, guys. We are covering the MAC, possibly the most exciting conference in all of college football, if nothing else, because it gives us something to do during the middle of the week when, uh, you know, we could be watching reality TV with our wives. And for our cram session here tonight, guys, we have a really special guest. Um, he told us we're not allowed to say that he begged to come on, but <laughs> kind of did. <laughs> Nate Marquise at CFF Nate on Twitter. Um, the the master IPA guy himself joining us here tonight. Nate, thank you. Thank you for joining us, giving us a few minutes of your time. Very excited to hear what you have to say. You already corrected a lot of what we said on the first few episodes pre-show <laughs> here tonight. So we do appreciate you setting the record straight a little for us. Well, you know, I'm the uh, the, the Tony Reality to your guys' uh, pardon the interruption. So I'm always here to listening and then uh, screaming you guys on the Slack channel just to let you know how, how many errors you made. Every Tuesday and Friday morning. That's it's, right. It's queued up. It's queued up. I'm like scared to go in the slack. I, I, I don't want to do it. You caught me on an IPA night too, so this should be fun. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Nate. Um, you know the, the drill by here, uh, here by now, but for anybody that's listening that does not know, we're going to ask you three questions, and then we're going to get you out of here. Uh, a player you think is going to help their stock the most this year, a player you think is going to hurt their stock the most this year, and then a bold prediction for the season. Um, and as always, we start off with a player that you think is going to help their stock the most this year. So take it away. Okay, so I actually want to do the reverse of how you guys normally do. I want to do stock down first. And I'll tell you why. These two guys kind of go together, my stock up and stock down, but I want to discuss the stock down first and then we can go into the stock up. Is that cool? So you forced your way on the show <laughs> and now you're changing the format of the show. Hijacking it. Fine, fine. You know, just, just have it your way. Go ahead. Play the stock is going down here. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's, here's, I actually want to look at this, even though I am the CFF guy, I, I thought about this before I came on, before I, crowbarred my way into this podcast, I, I, I decided, okay, I want to give a little bit of a C2C perspective and look at things. And here's the deal. My stock down, the guy that I think is going to hurt himself the most, and uh, somebody you guys referenced numerous times in the, um, in the, in the running back uh, discussion that you had uh, earlier, and that's Jameer Gibbs. Okay. So... Ooh. Here's, here's my deal with Jameer Gibbs. There's obviously a reality with him, a reality out there with him going to Bama and just going absolutely bonkers. Like we all want, like we're all kind of hoping for that. He's okay. Let's take this Uber talent. He, you know, if, if, um, Robinson can do what he did last year at Bama and Najee can do what he did a couple of years there, then what if we took a guy that's even way more talented than both of them and put him in that, you know, in that setting, but I've got some serious concerns with him that I, that I think a lot of Debbie and C2C people aren't really, I don't know. Like there's just a faction out there that just loves Gibbs and, and will forgive him for anything. But I mean, obviously he's undersized and people want to compare him to Camara, compare him to McCaffrey, even though Camara was what, like 20 pounds heavier McCaffrey, maybe a little bit, 
heavier, but not much. Here's the difference. So McCaffrey in year two had 382 touches when he was at Stanford. Year two for Gibbs, 178. Year one, I think it was like around 115 total touches. So we just don't have a profile that has seen him do what we think he's capable of doing. Um, and obviously we've all, we all, we've all heard what, what Noah Hills talked about and some of his inefficiencies running between the tackles. And I just think that there's, there's potential when he goes to Bama here that instead of him being this, this Uber talent just shines in this great offensive line and the great scheme of Alabama and, and Bill O'Brien, all this will work out for him that what if he just, what if he isn't as efficient as we hope he is between the tackles, even at Bama? What if he, um, you know, what if he doesn't get the workload that we're expecting that, that Najee Harris and, and, and Brian Robinson got? And what if he doesn't gain very much weight? Like, and he gets this gadget label. So I, I think that there's potential that that happens. Um, I want to say in my rankings for CFF purposes, he is, in fact, I'm going to, I got it pulled up right here. He is my RB nine, which I would say among most of our CFF guys and, and, and a lot of the industry guys that I've been drafted with, I mean, he's off the board in CFF drafts by pick five or six. Um, so RB nine's putting him quite a ways down there compared to most. So I think he's a guy that um, I think there's at least a decent potential. We look back and say, Hmm, um, you know, maybe we, this whole brand, you know, comparing him to Bijan probably wasn't very fair. Putting him in that category wasn't very fair. I think that's really, really interesting. You, you, like you said, there's a, a pretty large collection out there uh, of analysts who just absolutely love Gibbs and they are projecting this workload and this efficiency onto him in Alabama that, you know, it, it's still projection. We haven't yeah. seen that, like you were saying. So I think that's really interesting. And then when you add that in with any size concerns too, um, yeah, I, I think that's a very valid criticism of a highly ranked player. Yeah, I just wonder if maybe he's just a committee guy. You know what I mean? Like, how do you not separate from the group that they had at Georgia Tech? And Jeff Collins, when he was at Temple, um, he gave – uh, Armstead around 220-ish touches, and yet the best that Gibbs could get out, uh, you know, his season high was 178. I mean, it's just like, okay, we got a we got a staff that's not afraid to use a guy. How are you not how are you not separating from Jordan Mason? You know, guys like that. So that that just concerns me. What what if what if Alabama just kind of uses him? in the past game in between the, you know, in between the twenties, but never in between the tackles uh, trying to grind out some yards and wear down the clock late in games, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, very much a, a Josh Jacobs role. I was gonna say the Jace McClellan from last year role. Okay. Pretty analogous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, don't know, I mean, maybe, maybe Jace McClellan plays a role in that as well. Maybe he's uh, everything we thought he might be whenever he was coming out. And, and then all of a sudden we've got a little bit of a timeshare here. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So you said that the uh, the stock down and the stock up were kind of related. Yeah. Um, so we hit us the stock down first. Uh, who's your uh, who's your player who's going to help themselves the most this year? All right. So this is a guy that actually has a fairly similar profile as Gibbs, a guy that plays in the same conference as Gibbs. Um, and that's Devin Ashane. So 
He's a stock up guy for me um, when because because I, I look at both him and Gibbs in the same light and that their range of outcomes is enormous. Right. Um, we could see both of them have monster years and we could there, there's also realities where where we could see them, you know, just be OK because because they are limited by size. OK, but my, what what I'm looking at with a Shane, I mean, obviously Spiller moves on. And A. Shane was good enough. I mean, obviously, I mean, with 50 less touches last year, he outproduced Spiller. And this was a guy that we all expected to be a potential, you know, round two, round three type guy. And I mean, he 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 made a situation, a timeshare with Spiller to where he got 25% less touches in year three per game than what he was getting in year one and two there at Texas A&M. So I, I think that there's there's a strong possibility with as efficient as A. Shane has been, that if he were to then scoop up a good portion of those touches that Spiller was getting, let's say the uh, the running backs behind him, Johnson, Moss, some of those guys don't end up being quite as good as what we think. And, and I would say so far with some of the spring practice reports that we got, um, that may be possible. And A. Shane comes in there and takes a good uh, chunk of that that uh, void that's left by Spiller. We could be looking at a guy that goes for 1,500 yards uh, in the SEC. Who's to say that he can't put on a little bit of weight because he's keeping his weight down due to um, you know the necessity of that from a track perspective? He needs to be kind of in that you know 180ish range. Um, it's not to say that he couldn't uh, put on you know 12 to 15 pounds. He's the type of guy with his with as much speed as he's got, 12 to 15 pounds, still makes him maybe still the fastest running back in this class. So uh, just because he's got that type of speed. So um, Jimbo's not a guy that likes to share, uh, you know, the workload, at least not until A-Shane came around. So what if he goes back to that type of scenario where there's a workhorse back and A-Shane's the benefactor, benefactor of that? I mean, we could be looking, like I said, 1,500, you know, 15 touchdowns type guy. His A dot was actually 3.0, which is pretty solid for a running back. That's, I mean, we're looking at, you know, we're talking about Gibbs and his receiving prowess. Uh, his A dot's under one. So, I mean, A Shane's a guy that, um, you know, has proven to be a very uh, productive uh, receiver as well, too. So, um, I just think that, I don't know, maybe there's a, uh, a script that could be flipped on those two guys whenever it comes to stock up, stock down. So there's kind of two running backs that when you talk about a guy that might weigh in in like the mid 190s, but they're just like crazy fast that, that kind of get the comp. And it's usually either Chris Johnson or Jamal Charles. Those are kind of the, the two standards. Right. Is there a chance that Auching could be that level of player? I think that there's a – there's a possibility. So if he if he gets so right now he's proven that he's crazy efficient, right? I mean, I think he had like 9.5 yards per carry as a freshman, right around 50, 50 carries. But then last year he bumped up significantly in carries and still carried just under eight yards per carry. So he's proven he's crazy efficient. I, I don't think it's crazy to think that there's some GMs out there that could be absolutely enamored with the amount of speed that he has. And it's just like, okay. Um, let's, you know, let's put this guy in our offense and he's going to totally open up some things for us. He's very good in the pass game. Oh yeah. And he's actually got a third year where he carried the ball 212 times and he was sustainable without, you know, 
being banged up all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's there's a possibility there. Yeah, I mean, I so these are both your answers. I feel like we've had some lukewarm people on here. They could have given those as their hot takes. Um, so, so quite frankly, I, I am very excited to hear what you've saved for this third and final piece, which you is, guys are, you, know, you guys aren't going to like it. You're not going to, oh like no, it. <laughs> wait, is it, oh no. Okay. You're not going to bad talk pit, are you? No, 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 okay, no, okay. no. Yeah. I was going to no. just kick you off and say we lost connection. What, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was going to say Izzy, uh, goes for the Heisman. No, not, not going to happen. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> so not quite that bold, but, but what do you, what do you got here? Bold, bold um, Okay, so you guys are going to like it because Felix is going to like it, and that's why oh, not Hunter um, Deckers, not Hunter Deckers, not Hunter Deckers. No. Okay, um, right. I I think that it's a bold prediction, but I also really kind of believe this that this is really going to happen, and that is Anthony Richardson wins the Heisman. Ooh, I know. Okay. I know. Take, yeah, take that in for a second. <laughs> Felix right now is pretty excited, eating his salad, not eggs, <laughs> hearing that. And, and uh, yeah, but I, I think it's, it's, I think it's bold because we don't know what Napier uh, is going to look like with the talent at his disposal, like Anthony Richardson. That's just not something we've seen so far. Um, but I think he's just an absolute freak show. Like, I mean, I think the offense will run through him. It's a manageable schedule. And then you've always got, you always want to be like, okay, what did you leave? What did you leave the Heisman voters with? And I think that Florida State game at the end of the year will be a strong enough matchup um, as far as like eyeballs on it, that uh, it could be something that kind of pushes him into into that category of a, a real legit Heisman Trophy contender. Interesting. Yeah, Felix definitely going to love that one. Um, and I mean, I don't see any reason why he couldn't put up Lamar Jackson-esque type numbers. I mean, maybe not just the insanity of it, but doing it in the SEC, even if it's, you know, a 90% of those numbers, that's Heisman it's- worthy. It's not a great it's not a great defense yet at Florida. We saw that last year. What was it um, in the LSU game? Yeah, uh, Davis what, Price just ran. Davis through. Price ran for like I think like seven hundred <laughs> yards or something like that. He's still running. He's still right. Running. Yeah. <laughs> he ran into day three. Or day two. <laughs> right. Yeah. Somebody. Somebody. Some GM out there just got that tape. That was the only <laughs> tape that he got. He was like, I love this guy. He's the best. Um, but yeah, I think that I, I think that there's a decent chance that that defense is terrible again, and he has to clean up all the mistakes. And it's just the the Richardson show in the second half, and he just puts up these wild numbers, and people are just going to be enamored with a dude that's six four two forty five with seventy five yard runs on his tape, you know. Do you have like a expected rushing range for him in terms of like yardage and touchdowns? Because I mean, he's probably going to have to pile it on pretty heavy if he's going to win a Heisman. I can't picture him with that receiving crew, right? Throwing for you know thirty five hundred plus yards. So yeah, I think he's a guy that could get in that eight fifty to a thousand range, and obviously with his size around the goal line, um, you know, something like twelve touchdowns is isn't out of the equation. If he's going to need a Heisman campaign, he's probably going to need to kind of hit the ceiling of, you know, a thousand and fifteen. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's within his range of outcomes just because, I mean, they're, they're, their running backs are decent. Their O line's decent, but I mean, I just, I think that he's going to have to be their universe. I mean, he's going to have to be everything for them. All right. I mean, do you think that's bold enough? I like it. I don't like it, but I like it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Dude, I knew you'd hate it, but I was like, I wonder if they think it's bold enough. Yeah. No, no, I think that's bold enough. I mean, so he's the one last question I have for you on that. Do you think Florida wins enough games? I know you said the schedule is manageable, but I think that's the other part of it, right? Yeah. I thought about that too. And then I was like, well, Jesus, Tebow won like seven games and he won a Heisman. So I was like, (laughs) why not? Let's say they get the, that's what I was looking at their schedules. Like, I don't know. It's pretty manageable. Their crossover games. Uh, in the SEC or LSU and Texas A&M, probably not winning A&M, but they could pull off that LSU game. And then, you know, the their side of the conference is, you know, you got Georgia and and Kentucky and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's not outside of Georgia. None of those other games are definite L's. So, yeah, I think, I think they could, uh, you know, if they could get in that nine-win range, why not? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, Nate, thank you again for hopping on here with us tonight. Um, don't tell any of the other people we've had on so far, but I think this was the most fun I've had with one of these, these <laughs> cram session guests so far this year. Um, I'll, always a blast having you on. Um, we're going to let you go, and then we still expect to hear from you in the morning about the things we messed yes. up after you hopped off because you yeah. obviously have no control over that after we give you the boot here. Yeah, give me uh, give me till lunch tomorrow. I'll listen on my way in. I'm sure you guys are going to say some really dumb things, and I'll, I'll let you know all about it. Yeah, Us? some action. Dumb things? <laughs> no, come on, come on, Nate. Don't forget, don't forget about the nugget that I gave you on my uh, my Kent State wide receiver too. Are you guys going to mention oh, me tonight? Um, are we allowed? Yes, you, I've already. You, I've that's already got true. Him on my I did roster. get yelled at. Okay. You got no, no, I've already got him on my roster, so we're good. We're good. <laughs> okay, we're, okay, roll okay. with it. Roll right. with it. Yep. Don't want to upset anybody. Okay, perfect. All right, Tez Nate. Walker. Tez Walker. It's coming. <laughs> there we go. All right. At CFF Nate on Twitter again, uh, Nate. Thanks for uh, hopping on here with us. Um, enjoy the rest of that uh, tasty looking beer you got there. My pleasure. I'll see you guys. See you, man. How's it going? All right, Colin. So uh, that was great, and now yeah. we get to talk about the Mac, um, which is probably the most exciting not a uh, G five team. I- I mean, or conference, I, I feel pretty good saying that. The AAC is pretty good too. but Yeah. I mean, the, the AAC is probably better in terms of overall like talent-wise, but I don't think there's one that's more exciting than the MAC. The MAC, MAC is more exciting than several Power 5 conferences. Better, better marketing idea, Colin. Okay. Pre-slicing bread to sell to people or putting college football on a Wednesday night. They're pretty close. Ooh, they are both they, very innovative. Yeah, they really are. Um, man, I'm gonna give it to bread just for the broad appeal because there's some people out there who aren't football fans. And with bread, you know, you can make some toast, it goes really well with some eggs. You know, a lot of people love a lot of people love bread. Some people don't eat eggs though. Um, so you know, some people are wrong. Uh, for anybody that missed that discussion, go ahead, check out the first 10 <laughs> minutes of last night's Debbie debate episode here on the, the campus Kent podcast feed, uh, where we discussed that Felix, uh, does not eat eggs or has never eaten an egg in his life. According to him, like an, an actual egg, like he's eaten a cake. 
but he's not eating like like a, a, an egg at any sort of like whole form itself. Uh, and we had this discussion because Scott Fish then chimed in and said that he doesn't eat. He's never had a salad in his life. And Matt Bruning apparently has only ever had a bite of salad. So I don't I have, know. I've only ever had a bite of salad, too. I have never f- eaten an entire one. And I, no the way. bite of salad was only because I was forced to. No way. Yeah. Really? I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is why you weren't invited to my wedding because you're not classy enough. Hey, I made chicken tiki marsala tonight. I made chicken tiki marsala tonight with green beans and some roasted potatoes. So. It still just blows my mind that you eat green beans. That's like the only green thing you eat. Um, yeah, it's up there. I like Granny Smith apples. Okay, I'll give you that. I was trying to think of something else really weird that's green, like, <laughs> but it's like clearly not a vegetable. Um, all right, let's move on with this column because um, it's eleven thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We just finished both of our running back summit hours, um, so we we're a little punch drunk, I think, yep. at this point. Uh, I haven't even actually eaten yet. I've got like a little food. I'll probably be munching as you talk and then not hear what you say, which won't be any different than usual yeah yeah well i mean you're not normally munching you're normally doing something else but yeah 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 nice. um all right so we're doing these alphabetical guys that we've talked about so you know we're not the akron's first we're not predicting akron wins the mac um i don't know colin or you i don't want to speak for both of us but um no i i, I you're think a big joe moorhead guy i am a big joe moorhead guy i think they will definitely be better than two and ten but i don't think they win the mac yeah. Um, so like I said, Joe Moorhead coming in as the head coach coming over from Oregon here. And that's kind of the big change for Akron, really. I mean, they lose Zach Gibson. He transfers out to Georgia Tech and they do lose Kanata Mumfield, uh, who headed over to Pitt. But they do have still some some players on this team that I think are are moderately interesting. Um, the running backs are kind of the big one. And we've debated these earlier in the offseason, Colin. Uh, John Zell Norrells, who is uh, the returning guy, a pretty decent player there. And then Cameron Wiley, who came over from Wisconsin or um, uh, Minnesota. You're a Wiley guy, right? You're Wiley Coyote? I, I am a little Wiley. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I like Cam Wiley. I mean, I, I John Zell Norrells had some impressive games last year. That's, you know, some solid numbers. Uh, but he... Moorhead doesn't have any ties to, to Norrell's. So, and he brought in Wiley. So it's really going to be best man wins that job. And I think it's going to be Wiley. Wiley is also a bigger back. He's got a good size. He's quick. Um, he's fast. He, he also had some like return ability. So I think it's going to be Wiley. Um, we'll see how it plays out in, um, you know, the, in the fall camp here, but either way I'm dub- uh, This is one of the patented Colin draft them both and cut whichever one doesn't, uh, <laughs> t- doesn't start. Yeah. TM TM. Yes. yes. Colin, Colin has trademarked that you have to, yeah. you have to pay him 76 cents every time you do that. Yes. Um, going to be a rich man someday, Colin. The only other guy here that I think is really truly interesting is DeMarcus Irons at quarterback. And he's not a guy that I'm I'm drafting, especially not in a league where I have like no waivers or like two waivers. If I have unlimited, I'm either taking him like very, very late or I'm watch listing him and, and kind of waiting to see because he is a rushing threat. He uh, played in like six games last year and he had a ton of carries. He, he's an athletic guy. He's definitely not Gibson, who's more of a, a pocket passer type. 
So a name to monitor, I mean, those rushing quarterbacks can kind of come on hot late in the year uh, against a matching schedule. Yeah, I definitely think once he gets into the matching schedule, he could have some really nice weeks uh, and potentially some weak winning performances in there for you. But he's just a guy that I've been watch listing. I have not drafted him anywhere yet. Um, I do think this offense is going to run through the running game. You know, him being a Russian quarterback, that can definitely help. Uh, you know, he can still put up good performances, but if he's not bringing it with his legs, I don't think he's going to do it with his arm. So you're kind of relying on what he can do on the ground. All right, Colin, let's shift over to Ball State here. Um, they're next on the list. Some really big losses for Ball State. I, I, you know, they they finished just below 500 last year. I think they'll struggle to to really compete at all this year, but maybe they will pleasantly surprise us. They lose uh, Drew Plitt, long time, long time starter there, and then they lose um, Justin Hall as well, who I believe is with the Raiders now, if I remember correctly, or at least was. I don't know if he still is. Um, who's been like their all everything kind of guy receiver. He lined up in the backfield at times last year. Like he just kind of did a little bit of everything for them. So it's definitely a rebuild year. Um, Chris Moxley and the other guys in the CFF team tell me repeatedly, we really don't want John Paddock at all. Who's probably going to be the starter. Um, but Chris has been highlighting Caden Cobb, the true freshman that's there. Um, who's a, it was pretty athletic passer in high school. Um, as kind of a stash option. But again, depending on the depth of your league, he's just the kind of guy to keep your eye on. I don't know that I'm wasting a roster spot unless I have like taxi spots for the college side, essentially. Yeah, I'm at that. I'm, I'm with you on that one there. He is a really intriguing option. I'm not really that inspired by Paddock. So Caden Cobb, would it shock me if he took over the job by the end of the year? No probably more of a 2023 play, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get maybe three years out of him. Um, so that definitely has some value, but I'm not confident enough in it that I'm drafting him at this point, unless it's, if it's start three quarterbacks and crazy quarterback set scoring or anything like that, or if it's a 24 team league where it's super deep, sure. Yeah. I'll take him then. But in a standard league, He's just a watch list guy for me at this point. Yeah, I just so I just finished a, a 52 rounder and I took him in like the 50th round. And I I, I have taxi spots on that team, so I, I stashed him. But I, I wouldn't necessarily like if it's just 12 team, 45 uh, man rosters, I don't think he's worth a roster spot really, really, because we just don't know quite what this offense will look like uh, the year after. Carson Steele. We just had this discussion on the RB Summit. We talked about Carson Steele. Felix suggested that he believes that they should build this whole offense around Carson Steele. I like Carson Steele. And look, I even called him, a. I think I did a video at the end of last year where I talked about guys that I'm stashing if I have waiver ads left at the end of the year. And I did mention him. But I don't see elite upside here. Like, I don't think we'll see a, a Lou Nichols run through the Mac um or a um who's who was at Toledo the past couple of years Bryant Kobach yes I don't think we'll see like a Bryant Kobach trip through the Mac here like I just don't think he's that level of player I don't know that this offense is necessarily built for him to do that no I don't think so either I mean he's a guy who I think can be very productive for you you know he can have some really nice weeks especially do as they do get into the match and play 
and they're not going to throw the ball quite as much uh, as what they did. I, you know, the, losing Drew Plitt, um, losing Jaron Hall definitely hurts. So he's looking at a fairly steady workload. It'll be pretty reliable, but I don't really know what his ceiling is. I mean, last year, 192 carries, 891 yards, six touchdowns, uh, 12 catches, 157 yards, and one touchdown. So he had um, seven touchdowns and barely broke a thousand yards from scrimmage last year on 200 touches. You know, how many touches do we realistically think he gets? You know, 225, you know, Mm, I think that's a reasonable projection for him. And I think at that point you're still looking at best case scenarios, like 1200 yards. You know, I, I just, I don't see that ceiling with it. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not sure either. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch and he will be the guy there. So I think, you mm-hmm. know, he, he's definitely worth a roster spot. I'm just, I'm not quite vaulting him into like that elite CFF upside type guy uh, that, that maybe some of us here are wide receivers. So I just as kind of assumed Johannes Tyler would kind of grow into this wide receiver one role. He's kind of been their, their second guy over the past few years and he's on the all name team. I mean, come on yeah. here. But a lot of the CFF guys, you know, here elsewhere are hyping up Jay Sean Jackson, who had um, over 750 yards receiving, I believe, last year. Pretty solid year. Um, he's being projected as the wide receiver one. Either way, it seems like they usually have two targets, and the targets are going to be Jackson and Tyler. And these are both guys that probably should be rostered, but probably shouldn't be taken before the 30, 35th round. Like these are legitimately guys that you can probably wait till late. Because again, John Paddock's their quarterback, and we really don't believe in him yeah i was at the end of last year i was stashing jason jay sean jackson in a couple of places um in some like bigger leagues like we're in a 24 teamer together i stashed him in that one i'm in a 20 teamer i stashed him in that one um but i hadn't really looked that far ahead at the quarterback room there to, to i knew plit was leaving but i didn't know anything about paddock i don't really trust paddock that much I do think Jay Sean Jackson's going to have some nice weeks, especially once he gets into match and play. So he is definitely draftable, but I'm not spending anything early on him. It's you. it's just tough to to invest meaningful capital in any of these guys when we just I'm very skeptical of this offense as a whole. Again, I you know, six and seven last year, they might not win more than four games. They just really might not. I know the Mac is a little unpredictable and you know. All that jazz. Um, I don't think we're really targeting any of the tight ends here, so we can move on to Bowling Green, um, who was basically the doormat of the MAC last year. They were not a good team. Um, look, Chris, Chris has been hyping up this offense as, as kind of a sleeper offense. I get where he's coming from. Terrion Stewart is a running back that really flashed two years ago. Had a really nice year. I actually kind of took him in, in some places. Um, did not do really uh, uh, much of anything last year. Um, I do have some belief in him, but I'm not banking on, again, like a, a 1,300-yard season. But again, some of these guys, you know, the max schedule at the end of the year, maybe they get hot on, on some weaker defenses. Yeah, I definitely think they could get hot on some weaker defenses. They were kind of the doormat last year, but Akron was bad too. I think Bowling Green just as a team will be a little bit better this year. You know, Akron still probably a maybe like a four win team. They don't really have 
the talent all around them there. You know, Ball State loses a lot, like we just talked about. Um, Toledo loses a good amount, too. There's there's just some action teams here that have lost enough that I think this is going to be a pretty level conference. So Bowling Green, I think, will be in a lot of games, and we'll see some better game script from Stewart um, for Stewart than, than what we saw in, in a four and eight year last year. Um, and they kind of revamp the offensive line completely. They bring in three transfers. They bring back two starters. So we could see some improvement on that front as well. So I am interested in Terry and Stewart. He is a guy that I've drafted in a couple places, but uh, another guy that I'm taking late. And never forget, shout out to my gopher crew. Bowling Green beat you guys last year. Um, absolutely embarrassing. Um, not None of the wide receivers are particularly interesting, but they do have Christian Sims, a tight end, who, again, is another guy that Chris really, really likes. And he is a big athletic guy, which is kind of what we want at that position. So intriguing guy. Again, a very late tight end stash. I'm not even suggesting like he's not. I know I said I have like a pool of like five guys that I kind of try to mix and match from every year. He's not in my pool of five, even though he's he's very, very cheap. I just don't I, I'm not. uh I'm not taking a chance on like the three tight ends I roster that one of them is going to be the Bowling Green guy and he's going to do well. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that concern. But I, again, I think this will be a little bit better of a team than it was last year. They actually pass at a fairly decent rate. Now, they do not run very many plays, so it's a slow-moving team. But they pass at a decent rate. There's not really a great established uh, wide receiver in that room there. I'm, I'm sorry, Chris Moxley, Tyrone Broden, meh. Uh, I would rather invest in Christian Sims. I mean, I like to roster a couple tight ends, especially because they're pretty unpredictable outside of the, like the top guys. So uh, Christian Sims is a guy that I've taken in several places. How many tight ends do you usually roster in a league, Colin? This is not like a gotcha question. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I know people are kind of all over the board with this. Yeah, so if it's a one start, one tight end league, you know, mm-hmm. pretty standard um, tight end premium. I'll roster four to five tight ends and just assuming I don't get a guy that I'm like, this is my every week starter. You know, like if I get a Michael Mayer, which doesn't actually happen that often, I'm not an early TF tight end guy. Um, But if I have a Michael Mayer, if I have a Josh Simon, if I have a Payne Durham, those guys, I'll I'll maybe I'll take three or four. Um, If I don't have one of those, I'll take like an extra one or two, you know, again, in that four or five range. You heard it here first, guys. Colin does not like tight ends. All right. Central Michigan, next on our list here. Um, Half of Michigan, seemingly, in this conference. Daniel Richardson is a really interesting guy. And again, not a guy that I'm really, you know, looking to to roster or, or think should be rostered. But he, at the minimum, should be watch listed. I mean, do you have Richardson anywhere? Uh, no, I do not have him anywhere. I'm not all that interested. It's really just a watch list. Yeah, I mean, he he can kind of do a little bit of everything, but he's, I think the upside is, but again, this max schedule at the end of the year, you want some of these guys because you just never know uh, who's really going to crush it down the stretch. The two main guys that I think, though, that we want on this roster, and it's really the one main guy, and then there's another guy, Lou Nichols. Won so many people championships last year. Absolute tear down the stretch. Um, we thought Kobe Lewis would come back this year and, and into his his um, 
his market share, but Lewis transferred out. We thought Purdue, maybe somewhere else now. Um, oh, I've been informed I skipped Buffalo. We'll get them in a minute. Sorry, <laughs> Buffalo. Um, Nichols, though. I mean, so my question for you isn't going to be, is he going to do well this year? That's a bad question. Here's a better question. Okay. Where can he go in the NFL draft? Legitimately. I don't want to hear he could creep into day two. Give me like a reasonable level of expectation here, Colin. Well, uh, if you listen to the RB Summit show, uh, Felix thinks he might be able to transfer to Alabama. The most ridiculous thing I've heard (laughs) in weeks. In weeks. Austin... um, Austin said if that happens, he will blend a shoe. He will grind a shoe up, turn it into a smoothie, and drink it. Um, so I'm actually kind of rooting for that at this point. But assuming that that does not happen um, and he stays at Central Michigan, I think he is a round five, round six type of a guy, like a mid-day three type of a guy. I mean, they just the, – the NFL doesn't really care about – match and play i mean bryant Kobach is a guy who was athletic he had very good efficiency numbers he was a very good receiver and i think he got like sixth round draft capital um you know so yeah lou nichols is going to come into the league with a ton of production especially on the ground he'll have some nice receiving production but he's not the level of athlete that bryant Kobach was um you know so i think that's kind of the range that you're looking at him in there round five six the test thing is going to be big for him, right? I mean, I think the conversation is always going to come back. The, t- the testing is going to be really big for him. I mean, that's – if he runs slower than a 4.6, it's over. But if he gets a little 4.5, I think, you know, maybe some team will be interested in him. It's just – if I think er, it's early on in the process. Obviously, we're a whole year out. But I think I can say with almost complete certainty that he is the guy that testing is going to matter for the most next year. It's definitely going to matter a lot for him. I'm not going to say it's going to matter the most for him. Um, I think there's a couple other players who could see a an Isaiah Spiller-like fall with some pretty poor testing. Um, I don't know exactly what, like the, both of the Georgia backs, I don't know what their testing numbers are going to look like, but I am very interested in that. If they test decently, I think they could both get day two capital. If they don't test well, you're probably looking more day three. Um, there's a couple other guys in that boat. But, yes, I do agree with you that testing will definitely matter for Nichols. Maybe he can get up to round four with some good testing. They lose Khalil Pimpleton. I'm interested to see if they will have a relevant wide receiver on the team. I'm I'm thinking somebody steps up. Dallas Dixon is probably the favorite to do that, but we'll see if he can. Um, and then Joel Wilson is is a really interesting guy at tight end. He is a guy that I actually have in a couple places where you kind of have to start multiple tight ends and and the the pool gets a little iffy after a while. I, I don't mind him. Uh, had over 30 catches last year, which is pretty decent for a college tight end. Yeah, uh, Joel Wilson will probably be not the focal point of this passing offense, but he will definitely be involved in this passing offense, which for a tight end – that's kind of what you're looking for. Like, I think he is at worst the number two option in this passing offense, put up some nice numbers on a week to week basis. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a guy that I, I'll pick up in the, in the late rounds. 
All right, Colin. I know I skipped Buffalo. I'm sorry, everybody. I fat fingered it. Um, I fingered it because there's no one here I really want. Um, not entirely true, but but Van Trees is out of there at quarterback. Casey Case, you, I, I swear to God, that's that's his actual name. Um, whoever's parents did that, um, not just cool. rude. Just rude. Um, Mike Washington and Ron Cook are the two guys battling it out for running back after. Um, uh, what's his name? Just kind of up and left. Uh, McDuffie. McDuffie. Yeah, he's at Georgia Tech now. I've seen people going after Washington, and I've seen people going after Cook. I took Cook in a couple of the uh, eliminator type leagues they're doing, like those best balls. Because shoot, if something happens to one or the other, then then he's probably going to do all right. Um, but there, it's a tough ask for me to really want to roster one of those guys in a C two C if I if I'm not quite sure. I know ambiguity, you know, lends itself to value, but I, I don't know. Uh, Mike Washington is a guy that I have been targeting in a good number of places. Um, I think it'll end up being him. Ron Cook has been there for years and just has never really stepped up and seized that role. So I don't think he's going to do it this year. Mike Washington, on the other hand, is a big body guy. Um, he's He's pretty athletic too. I think he's going to he's going to be the guy that will lead that backfield, I think. And the other name that I'm actually interested in as a watch list guy is the third guy in that backfield, uh, redshirt freshman LJ Henderson. He had a really impressive spring. Uh, now Washington was out with an injury. Um, I, Cook may have been too. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, Henderson had three touchdowns in their spring game. Uh, so, you know, he he's going to battle – with Washington for essentially the same role, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what he, ha- what he can do. Um, how do you say his first name? Is it Kyan Williams? I would have said Kian, but Kian. I don't know. Uh, he's supposed to be the wide receiver there, but I don't know what to expect out of case, which is kind of the problem. Like, I'm just not sure what this, I know all off season, literally, Chris Moxley was sitting in the background. Like every time a quarterback entered the transfer portal, that was like moderately average or better. He, he was praying for Buffalo. Cause they do have some guys there. I really used to like Booby Curry. Uh, who, <laughs> yeah. Um, who was at Arizona for years and kind of flashed there. Um, but it's a, it's a decent wide receiver room overall. I just, I don't know that the, the quarterbacks will be able to get the ball to them, which is frustrating. I, I can't believe they couldn't get anybody to live in Buffalo, Colin. It's a I'm wonderful sh- city. I'm, I'm shocked that no one wanted to live in Buffalo. Wonderful city. It is it's such passionate people live there. Um, home of Jenny Light, Jenny Cream Ale. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. It's cold I in the winter. Know. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to live that? I don't know. Should I don't know. I know it. several I know several people who live in Buffalo or the Buffalo area. And do they love it? Um they're all trying question. to leave. It's a good question. I don't know. They're still there. Um, yes. I mean, it, it, without a quarter, a true quarterback, I think this, this, this offense is going to be difficult to see consistent results out of week in week out. I mean, do you have any final thoughts here on Buffalo beyond that? I, I think they'll struggle again this year pretty mightily. Yeah. I think they'll struggle again this year. I don't really trust the passing game at all. Like you're saying with Casey case, even though they have some interesting receiving options, but this team was ninth in plays per game last year. 
uh, and 119th in neutral game script pass rate. So give me Mike Washington. I'm, 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 I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that that's the guy I want. All right. Colin is all in on Mike Washington and I'm all, all in on cook. Cause he's cheaper. All right. Um, it's a fair point. That, that's the only reason, uh, Eastern Michigan. I cannot believe this team won seven games last year. Ben Bryant is one of the worst quarterbacks I watched play last year. And I've unfortunately watched multiple games of him because I couldn't figure out why it was rumored that Evan Prater was losing this job to him. I I've, I've watched. So I, I got my hands on Eastern Michigan, all 22 and I legitimately watched three games of it. This offense was crap. <laughs> it was so, so bad. And Ben Bryant is just also crap. Like the offense, uh, I, I just can't believe it. So, so he's gone. I think that could be addition by subtraction. We shall see. I, I don't know, but Hassan Beydoun is is probably like the guy I want on this roster. I don't, I don't, I can't really picture myself rostering anybody else here. Who's wide receiver for them? He's probably their wide receiver one. Had a he had like over two hundred fantasy points last year, I believe. Yeah, he had some solid weeks last year, but. The problem is, it's just there's not a ton of volume. There's not a ton of confidence in the quarterback play there. So I do like Baydoon, um, but uh, he's not somebody that I'm actively like targeting at all. If if he ends up on my roster, I'll probably throw him in the starting lineup for a couple weeks. But that's about that's about it. Yeah, I actually am kind of excited for him because if they get in some shootouts at the end of the year, I think he's the the main beneficiary. He could be the the big name that kind of carries some some people down the stretch, kind of like a, a Jack Sorensen was last year uh, at Miami. We're going to talk about his replacement here uh, in a couple of minutes. But but a Baydoun in a, in a C2C league is the only guy that I'm interested in. I don't think you need to invest anywhere else uh, in, in this particular offense. Um, nope. Yeah, I'm glad we're both on the same page there so we can just move on past Eastern Michigan. Uh, Kent State, um, this is kind of, an interesting team. They lose their starting quarterback, Dustin Crumb, who's been there for years, but they kind of have a like replacement for him in Colin Schley. Do you have a lot of Colin? Colin? Uh, I have him in a couple places. I wouldn't say I have a lot of him though, because he has been a popular name this off season. He's yeah. a popular sleeper for C2C. I mean, CFF people are are on this and they've been on this for a while, but he's a popular C2C sleeper because of one, the production we, we've seen from Crum the past couple of years, we kind of are ready to say Schley can do that. And Schley has three years of eligibility left. So you're getting good production for a long time. So yeah, he's, he's a guy that I like, um, but there are people out there who have been willing to take him earlier than I have. I'll have to tell you after the show what his last name reminds me of. It's uh, it, it's uh, a certain catchphrase of Colby's. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every single time, yep. one of our good friends. Um, Marquez Cooper at running back, pretty solid player. I, th- I think he'll he'll do pretty well for CFF purposes, and I think he's definitely worth a roster spot, especially if you kind of – so how I approach a lot of like, startups when I do them – running back the first two rounds if I can do it. And then I just hammer wide receiver for like the next nine rounds. So by then you miss out on a lot of those running backs that, that are kind of like iffy or on the cusp. 
Cooper's a great guy to get in like round 25 to kind of round out your running back room. If you ignored it through some of the money rounds, like I kind of tend to do because running backs, I, I I'm confident I can find some of them a little later. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, I, I tend to follow that strategy as best as possible. I typically just go BPA um, for like the first 15 okay. or so rounds. Um, but yes, more often than not for me, BPA does follow a heavy wide receiver approach after the first few rounds. Um, but yeah, Marcus Cooper is a guy that I'm definitely interested in, in the mid twenties, like you were saying there, he's, you know, thousand yard seasons, just turns them in, turns them out. The line is going to be solid. The offense as a whole will be pretty solid. You're going to have to wait for the slog through the non-con, but as long as you can hang on and get into that match and play, he's, he's valuable. Wide receiver is going to be a, a fun group for them. Deshaun Poke plays in the slot, uh, and he returns, as does Dante Cephas, who's their boundary guy. And those are both two very good receivers, and I think, again, both should be rostered in leagues. Um, as Nate alluded to earlier, he does have a sleeper wide receiver on this team uh, who he he refers to him as the wide receiver, too, on the roster. And for Nate to say that, you know, he, he, he is more thorough in reading obscure camp reports than anybody I, I know um, just straight up. I'm not just saying that because we just had him on the show. Um, he really likes Devontae Walker. He's a bigger guy, a boundary guy. The staff apparently has been very high on him this off season. He thinks that he can snag a decent share of this receiving uh, uh, offense. And I think that'll be, Pretty interesting to see if if true. I mean, because Cephas and Pokey are pretty established guys. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Cephas pretty established as, as the wide receiver one there. Uh, you know, that's a that's an option that we want in that offense on the boundary. Pokey, he was banged up a little bit last year, but definitely still established as the slot guy. Now, um, Devontae's Tez Walker. Yeah, he'll probably play on the outside there. Big guy, 6'3", 175, uh, reportedly super athletic. And a lot of this is coming from Nate because I didn't know anything about him beforehand. Um, so he can definitely carve out a role. But with two other guys established ahead of him, he's not a guy that I'm taking in C2C leagues at this point. But he is a guy that I'm watch listing because I do trust Nate a lot. Yeah, you don't have to take them, I don't think, right now. But yes, I I, I learned a long time ago not to necessarily discount anything uh, Nate says, as crazy as it sounds. Because um, because what is crazy to to one is a genius to another. Um, so so be watch listing him. And of course, he allowed us to say that because all of his drafts, I believe, except for one, are now done for the offseason. So thank you, uh, Nate. We didn't want to upset you again after uh, we, we mentioned some of your other guys earlier. Uh, this offseason on this show, Miami, we just kind of uh, alluded or, or referenced them a minute ago. Um, they have Blaine Gabbert's brother. That's pretty cool, right, Brett? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure. But I'm not <laughs> super interested in him. Um, but it's Gabbert. Losing, Come on, man. <laughs> losing the top wide receiver definitely hurts. I mean, they, they have a, a ready... I think a ready-made replacement there. So I think they'll be okay. Uh, and he'll have some nice weeks there for sure. Like I have him rostered in a couple places, but he's just, he's a guy that I only have rostered in one super deep leagues or two 
if I have punted quarterback hard and I'm just scrounging around at the back end to find somebody that I think could start. Max Sorensen was their leading receiver last year. We talked about he he ran out of eligibility. He's gone now 76 catches, 1,400 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Um, the year before that, which is kind of what put him on everybody's radar, it was a, a COVID-shortened season. Three games. Three games, Colin. Keep this in mind. Three games, 18 catches, 354 yards, four touchdowns. Oof. I mean, and, and he That's was pretty solid six. before that. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Like, do, do the math for us. Six catches, probably about 115 to 18-ish yards and a touchdown. Good work. Thank you. Good work. Um, so, yeah, the wide receiver one here has been pretty lucrative the past couple of years. And, and Gabbert comes back. So you got to – yeah, I, I think the, the big assumption is that this is going to be the same way again. Hip and Hammer uh, had about 700 receiving yards last year. So he, he certainly was a, a decent part of this offense. Uh, and it sounds like he should be their wide receiver one uh, here this year. Um, Miles Marshall's the wide receiver two, and I think that's an interesting name. He transferred over from Indiana, and he was kind of a guy that I was watching last year. And that Indiana offense was just so so bad that that no receiver really did too much. Uh, I'm not saying he should be rostered, but I definitely would keep an eye on him. And if something were to happen to Hippenhammer or Hippenhammer doesn't take over that role, then I think Marshall is the clear guy to come in. Um, so, so just a, a name that don't be surprised if something were to happen in like week 10, he ends up kind of being a league winner down the stretch for somebody in your league. Yeah, uh, he's a guy that I've watched this at a couple of places. I do think it'll be Mac Hippenhammer, though, um, former Penn State player transferring over there. He's kind of been the next man up for a little bit now. Um, but Injuries happen. Maybe he fails to take that step forward and be the lead guy. So, you know, crazier things have happened. Old Iron at tight end is a fun name. I'm not a believer in rostering him for, for C2C. I, I My tight end list doesn't quite go that deep. Uh, I have him in, in a couple places. Um, again, like the deeper leagues or, you know, start two tight end type of leagues. Um, I do think with, Sorensen out. I think that Cold Iron can operate similarly in that area, at least you know, in like the the shorter area there. So you know, he's a guy that I think can have some nice weeks. Um, but if I have to rely on him as as an every week starter, I'm worried. Yeah, kind of, kind of a big ask there. Um, Northern Illinois. And this is actually one of the teams I was I was most looking forward to to talking about here, because they they legitimately have three guys on their roster I think that can be league winning type players for you once you get into the meat of that MAC schedule down the stretch. Northern Illinois last year, for anybody that doesn't know, outside of the service academies was the the most successful running team in the nation and they did it the most outside of those teams they're not triple option like them but they just they run 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 uh, as much as they possibly can they lose two of their four real running backs on the roster from last year Clint Rakovich uh, uh, moved on to the NFL Javon Ducker who we like transferred out to Memphis. So they only have really two backs on the roster. Ontario Brown here, a guy that, you know, hashtag my guy. I really, really like him. I think he's too talented 
quite frankly, to be at NIU, and they have Harrison Whaley, and that's it. I think there's enough volume there for both of them to just be must-start guys every week. I, I really, really think that that is a possibility for them. Will they have as much success as they did rushing last year? Maybe not, but the pie is half as big, so who cares? Yeah, and you say maybe they don't have as much success uh, as last year, but you know, this is a team that ran pretty fast, 33rd in, in plays per game, 71 plays per game. And they ran the ball to 70% rush rate, you know, in a neutral game script. So if you're running 71 plays, almost 72 plays, you're running the ball 70% of the time. That's a lot of rushing production. I almost wouldn't want one guy to get that because that would kind of wear you down. Um, I kind of like that it's split into two i'm targeting both of these guys and they were a really good offensive line last year and they returned four of the five starters so i don't think it's a given that this offense takes a step back in efficiency in terms of running i i like both brown and whaley but ever since you've been talking about brown so much his value has gone up and whaley has become the value so he's typically the guy that i take I am not sorry. Um, I have a lot of Ontario Brown, uh, a, a lot, a lot. Um, Trayvon Rudolph, a guy that uh, on on his deathbed, Felix still will have not said his name correctly, <laughs> was really, really strong last year down the stretch. A guy that you know had that what four touchdown game, I believe, at one point. Um, we we really featured him that night on uh, on Coast to Coast. Um, yeah, our, our evening show or late night show during uh, on Saturdays during the season for anybody that, that, that is not aware of that. Uh, finished the season, 51 catches, 892 yards, seven touchdowns. I think there's more where that came from. Um, just a good player. And he, he's got pretty nice size too. Like I, I, and he's not an NFL guy in my opinion. Like that's not what you're drafting him for, but he's like 5'10", 5'11", 180 pounds. Like he's not, he's not like Pimpleton or some of these other like, you know, gadgety type guys that hang out in the Mac a lot. Like he's a legitimate, you know, athletic decent sized guy. Yeah. He's in the Kanata Mumfield type of a, sure. a type of a player from the Mac there where, you know, I think he could play outside the Mac. I think he could play power five. Um, so I, he's definitely another guy that I, I'm interested in there too. It's, it's nice that he's it, it basically the, the wide receiver one there. There's not even really like a question. He handles most of this passing volume even though there's not a lot of it. Uh, and, and I think that there's an outside shot that he gets drafted, you know, round five, six, something like that. If he tests pretty well. So I think he's an NFL wide receiver. Yeah. Now like, yeah. not like, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be meaningful production on that end of things, but yeah, I, I definitely think that that's a possibility for him. Rocky Lombardi is their quarterback. I think he's worth mentioning, but not a guy that I'm, I'm necessarily targeting. He really struggles outside that, the, the juicy matchups. He, he's just not a guy that, that is particularly good in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Ohio. Um, interesting team. Uh, Jared Palmgren, especially, you know, our, our, the head of our CFF team here, uh, has really been hyping up Bangura, who's who's projected to be their starting running back this year. Um, they lose Tuggle, no no more Tugboat. Um, but they have Bangura and they have O'Shane Allison still there as well. So the, the strength of this roster is going to be through their running backs. And 
that's all I want from this team personally. Colin, do you have anybody else in this roster you're kind of eyeing up? No, and honestly, I'm not even really taking Bangura. I mean, yeah, they lose Tuggle, but he wasn't even as good as we hoped he was going to be last year. He uh, finishes the RB55. You know, and then when he got into Mac play, he definitely had some really nice weeks there. But I, I don't know if I see Bengura putting up those type of numbers, especially with Allison there. I think that's probably going to be a committee. Um, and it's just going to be a bad team. You know, how how many times are they going to be able to run the ball? I mean, they were a bad team last year and they still ran the ball a ton. But, you know, got to think that that's something's got to change there. They might have to throw a little bit more. Yeah, and that's really going to be the solution for them. But not a good team. And again, probably not a good team this year, Colin. I agree with you. Um, Toledo. Daquan Finn, let's start with him. I mean, we, we try to start with the quarterback if there's a relevant guy here. He's a guy, again, I did that video at the end of last season. I said, you know, go ahead and stash some of these guys. Finn was a guy that I specifically highlighted because he is just a really good athlete at the quarterback position. And he's not a total non-zero as a passer in the Mac, I mean, the, the defenses are not strong. So, so do with that what you will. Um, but last year, it completed about 60, 50% of his passes, over 2,000 yards, uh, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And then the big thing is the, is the rushing yardage. Um, about 500 yards on the ground. I could see it going a little higher. That's with sacks included. I don't have the PFF number in front of me. Um, not an NFL guy at all. I know we say that all the time, <laughs> especially uh, not the Mac guys, really not an NFL guy, but I think that there's some fantasy upside here. Don't reach for him. I've seen some people reach just cause it's a familiar name. I'm still not taking him before, you know, round 25 or so of drafts, but I definitely think he's a name that I like to roster. Um, cause I think he, he's a nice like bye week fill in. And if he's hot down the stretch, I'll toss him in kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you He's probably going to get hot down the stretch. I mean, he did last year, um, you know, in, in four of his last six games, uh, he finishes a QB two or better, um, you know, so he's, he's got a lot of production. Uh, he, you know, you're going to want to start him when you get into Mac play. And this offense does lose its focal point from last year in running back Bryant Kobach. So they may have to rely on Finn even a little bit more. So, yeah, I, I like Daquan Finn. I, I'm with you, though. I have seen people reach for him a little bit earlier. Um, just, again, you know, kind of a familiar name. But he has several years of, of production that you can get out of him. So I don't hate the pick. Yeah, I just I, I have a hard time spending, like, legitimate capital on a lot of these Mac guys. Because, again, the, the NFL upside, what are we doing here? I, I'm not 100% sure that it's always necessarily there. Penny Boone's an interesting guy came in from Maryland, like 250 pound, just beast of a running back. Brandon Jacobs ish type guy um, went to Maryland, really didn't didn't cut it there. So he transferred over to Toledo and we assumed that he was going to take that job. But it sounds like Micah Kelly is probably going to be the guy there. Or at least it's going to kind of be a rotation between those two, which we weren't necessarily expecting, I don't think so. I, I don't think Boone is worth a roster spot right now, but I'm not sure Kelly is worth one either. I think it's just a, a avoid unless it's a deeper league and you're kind of like, you know, if somebody gets hurt, then then maybe I could be in on something here. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. I mean, if it's a deeper league or if you're really running back starved at the end of your draft, 
you know, we're talking after round 40. Sure. I, I think you could take Micah Kelly. Um, don't expect Brian Kobach type numbers. You know, he was the RB eight last year. Like that's not, that's not going to happen. That's not in the range of outcomes, but he could have some nice weeks for you. Uh, Penny Boone at this point just kind of seems like maybe he's more of a fullback than, than a running back. So uh, I, I'm not a solid athlete though. Like I, I, I thought that he could catch on somewhere as a bigger back. I just, uh, I guess maybe, maybe fullback is his best option though. Maybe he can play offensive line. <laughs> uh, well, this offensive line returns three starters, so they got two openings. Yeah, there we go. Um, Devin Maddox is their, their big wide receiver there, and I think he will have a decent year with Finn. But again, he's not an elite passer, so I think you should limit your expectations for him. Um, and that's that's the only wide receiver I would even consider rostering on this team, quite frankly. Um, not, not a lot of other upside there. And they do lose Kobach, which, you know, bummer. Cause he, you know, he, he did well against Notre Dame last year. Like he was almost kind of matchup proof. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Brian Kobach a lot. Um, but if you couldn't tell by what I was saying earlier in the show, but yeah, Dequan Finn's really the only guy that I'm targeting in this one. And, you know, Devin Maddox, maybe a roster spot at the end. Mike Kelly, maybe a roster spot at the end, but that's it. Um, all right, moving on here. Uh, Western Michigan. That's our last team here, Colin. So let's take it home here. Strong, strong. Focus, focus, focus. <sighs> they lose Caleb Ellaby, which I think is a big deal for them. He was getting some like sleeper, actual NFL value type talk last offseason, and he is on the in the NFL now. Um, probably Jack Salapek taking his spot. He's much more of a rusher than Caleb Ellaby was. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Cause I don't have a clear expectation of what he can do as the guy, but I think he's, he's a sneaky guy that no one is rostering anywhere. I don't think you need to, but again, like I would watch list him and I think he can be a league winning guy, depending on how hot that offense gets later in the year. He's a very boomer bust guy. Uh, I don't, it doesn't sound like the staff is really comfortable with him. I mean, he, it sounds like he's going to be the starter, but I don't know how much they're going to let him air it out. Um, but with his dual threat ability, and if he can air it out a little bit, yeah, I, I do think there is league potential league winning upside there because he's not going getting drafted at all. Um, so watch this guy. Yeah. Not a guy that I'm drafting, um, but could hurt. could hurt if, if he, if he pops off. They have two very competent running backs on the team, but they just eat into each other's workloads so much. I actually, it's funny because Tyler is probably the better player, but I've always kind of had a soft spot for Ladarius Jefferson. I had him roster in a couple spots last year thinking that maybe he could kind of take over that job and never really happened. Um, so this is actually kind of one where it, I just don't really want either of these backs actually surprisingly, but I think, you know, in, in a slightly deeper league, I think it's, it's pretty solid to have either of these guys and you shouldn't feel that bad about it. They can at worst plug in and get you like, nine to 11 points in a week if that's just what you need yeah i'm not i'm not not rostering these guys um but sean tyler goes earlier than i'm willing to take him Ladarius jefferson does not get taken very often so i do have him in a couple places i'll pick him up at the end of the draft 
if something were to happen to Sean Tyler, obviously never root for injuries, but if something were to happen to him, he could have some huge Jefferson could have some huge upside. Um, or like you said, if you just need, just need a body to throw in your flex, you know, he could do something. And Crooms, Corey Crooms is a wide receiver is, is the big wide receiver target there. Again, we don't exactly know how Salapek is going to look as a passer. Can he support more than one guy? But if he can support one, then we're figuring it's probably going to be Crooms. And our CFF group has him ranked um, pretty highly in their ranks. Um, one of the higher rated guys here in the MAC because it's probably his kind of room to run wild with. Yeah, I mean, it's him and nobody else, you know, and Sky Moore, everybody's kind of chasing that production. I don't think we're going to see his 95 catches at a Corey Crooms here, but there's a lot of vacated production here. He's the only guy in the room, really. If Salapek can be competent, Corey Crooms could have a really nice year. I go back and forth with him, though, because I don't know how much I trust Salapek and Corey Crooms, so I end up with him in some places and I don't end up with him in other places. It just kind of depends on the way the board falls and the way other people are targeting him because there he does have his fans out there for sure. He does, and Crooms is is just to confirm here, wide receiver 40 for our, for our CFF group. So uh, rated pretty highly there. Um, so that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Um, thank you guys here for tuning in. If you're not checking out the other shows here on the feed, then what are you doing with your life? Um, we've even got a new show coming up here for the season bet on C2C. It's going to be a bunch of prize picks and other kind of, uh, prop style betting. I think for the most part, check out the YouTube channel. We just dropped the running back summit on there tonight. You can go check out the first half of that. And if you're a member and you're in our discord, you can go see part number two as well. It's, it, it is hanging out in there. So go check all of those out guys. The guides are still available. The site's still there. Campuscan.com. Um, that's all I got though. Uh, we will be back next week. Two more conference uh, preview, kickoff, whatever series. Um, damn you, Bud Elliott. Um, until next time, guys. Though so I am Austin, and this is Colin. Have a good one. <laughs>